are listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa. It's a God's Love Thursday today. As Penom, we always have a guest that share their God's love stories with us. And today we've got a beautiful lady in the studio who joined us today. Her name is Geletzo, Sister K. Yendo. She is a mentor, a speaker, an author, and a pastor who helps people discover their true identity and purpose in order to live a victorious life. She is the founder and director of Sister K Foundation, a sisterhood which aims to inspire women to embrace their true identity and live purposefully. She is passionate about unifying women and helping them create a sisterhood. She mentors women and encourages them to invest in empowering the girls in their communities. Galazzo is a pastor at Grace Bible Church. She believes every believer should know and embrace their identity and purpose in Christ in order to live a victorious life. Should I go further? She is born in Kwakwa mm. in a village in Free State Province in South Africa. She is the second of five children born to Mr. and Mrs. Libeko. Despite her humble beginnings, Keletso persevered and became successful in the workplace, business, academia, and ministry. Keletso had a successful career in corporate South Africa for 13 years in the financial service industry. She is now a partner and account manager at the South Africanist, a strategic and creative agency. She serves on the board and is an ambassador of the South Africanist non-profit company, a movement which campaigns for positive community social impact. She inspires many through her talks and workshop. Geletzo has spoken at local and international platforms such as the National Association of Child Care Workers. We have her right here in the studio. She's now married, by the way, to Jesse Yende with two children. When relaxing, you can find her hiking on a beautiful mountain mm. on her couch or somewhere out doors reading or spending time with her best friend who also happens to be her husband mm. wow thank you so much she's also an author the like the bio is so endless is it is so long but we'll get to know her for now let's just uh congratulate her and round her, give her a round of applause yeah. you know what a what a powerhouse, what a powerhouse mm, yeah. indeed we have in the studio. She is joining us live from Eastern Cape telephonically. She's going to be giving us a story on our God's Love Thursday today. Uh, Sister Kay, good morning. A very good morning to you and all the ladies there in studio and a blessed morning to all the listeners of Hope Alive mm. FM. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much. A very good morning to you, Sister Kay, and welcome to the talk right here on Hope Alive radio station. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be chatting with you ladies this morning, and I hope that our listeners will be blessed by what I have to share as well. 
Indeed, they will be blessed. Uh, such a beautiful profile there that we just read. You are indeed a powerhouse. Mm. And we are so looking forward to, to hear the stories that God has unpacked in, her, in, in your life for us. One of the things that you write here is that you want to inspire us. You want to stir up our hope in our, uh, you want to stir hope in people's hearts mm. in the season which is characterized by the loss of your loved ones, you know. Um, do you want to start it from there, maybe how we can, um, uh, your, your, your childhood, you know, growing up in a maybe take us from there before we, we, we come into the challenges that you later faced in life. All right. No, I'm very happy to um, to do that. Well, like you said when you read my bio, I was born in uh, Kwakwa. Um, I call it a village. Some people don't like me calling it a village, but it's an informal settlement in the Eastern Free State. That's why I was born in humble beginnings in a clinic there. But I was blessed in that. Um, my family, in my family, my mom and my dad were both teachers. So in terms of humble beginnings, I really had a blessing there in that education was really one of the values that my parents instilled in us. And that's a value that I still hold very highly in regard. And to that effect, I'm still a student even today, seven degrees um, university degrees later. Mm. So I really had um, what one would consider a normal um, upbringing and um, our family later on moved to um, the town of Bethlehem and that's where I did my high schooling. It was a very interesting experience, high school um, because I went to a high school called Wittenberg High School mm. and our class, that was in 1997, just a few years post-apartheid. And our class was actually the first English class to be introduced into that school. Mm. And it so happened that it was the only black class as well. So I think I've learned a little bit of resilience from my earlier formative years um, in that context as well because I found myself in an environment where you really made to feel like you are not welcome mm. because it was still so new to everyone. Um, so that was my high schooling. And then I went um, to Johannesburg to pursue my tertiary education. And uh, the, I studied and then I worked a couple of years in, in Johannesburg until I got an opportunity to move down here to Cape Town. And I think um, when I was here in Cape Town, that's really where now the story that we be focusing on today really, really starts. Um, and that would be from when I met my husband and got married. So I think that's a little bit, gives you a little bit of a better idea in terms of my background. And then we'll just go into the story then. All right. Well, the story that uh, says here, which later on, the, the story is actually based on the book, which we're going to talk about it uh, later um, on, 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 on the show. Um, you, you, you're saying uh, there was a loss of your loved one, your baby, when you, that was obviously, is it um, after, after you've married? Yes. 
So um, when I moved to Cape Town a couple of years um, in Cape Town, I met my husband at church and we got married. Mm. Um, so what I needed to mention in my background is that I come from a family of seven, including my parents. Mm. So we three girls and um, two boys. So when I got married, I always had a dream of having a big family because, wow, I also come from a big family. Yeah. So when I got married, um, my husband already had two kids. So mathematics said, if I have three kids with my husband, we're going to have the same family that I had. We're yeah. going to have yeah. five kids and two parents. So you can imagine when I got married, my dream of a big family was really beginning mm. to take shape. Mm. Um um, to my disappointment, a few years into marriage, when my husband and I now decided, yay, let's grow this family and have more children, mm. I actually managed to conceive and I had what one would call a relatively normal pregnancy. The pregnancy was progressing well. And what happened is on a Thursday, this was in July 2018, mm. I consulted with my gynae like we normally did. I was 39 weeks pregnant, mm -hmm. so I was now seeing him like on a weekly basis. So we consulted on a Thursday, and everything was fine until um, the Sunday, which was three, literally three days later. Um, it was a normal day, nothing out of the ordinary. I went to church like I usually do. The only thing that was different about this day is that I hadn't felt my baby move. Her name was Mo Nombuso, and, mm. and we nicknamed her Boo Boo. So you hear me talking about Boo Boo, just know that. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to name babies. It's just something that I'm passionate about and to talk about their names when we mention them. Mm. Um, so Boo Boo hadn't moved throughout the service um, on that particular Sunday, which I found quite awkward or um, a bit un unusual because she would leap during praise and worship. She loved attending church with mommy. Like when yeah. we were at church, mm. I knew she was pregnant. I mean, she was present mm. and she would be there with me. So after the service, I just said to Habi, you know what? I haven't I haven't felt Bubu move. Um, mm. This is a bit unusual. So let's just go via the hospital on our way home. So we went to the hospital and we were, my husband was still cracking his normal jokes. We were not alarmed. I mean, we had been with the doctor just on the Thursday. So we got there, told the nurses um, why we were there. I just told them I haven't felt movement today. And they sent us to a room and the nurse used a Doppler yeah. um, to try and detect the heartbeat. Mm. And she said she can't detect the heartbeat. Probably it's because of how the baby is positioned. Mm. Uh, just in retrospect, I'm just realizing, you know, as a nurse, you're not allowed to give a patient a diagnosis. Yeah. So that's what she said. And then she said um, she'll get a doctor to come and do a proper scan. Um, we are waiting for the doctor. We're still laughing. We're cracking jokes. We're not alarmed. I mean, everything was fine just on Thursday. Mm -hmm. The doctor came. And he did a scan, and he said the most dreaded words that no parent ever wants to hear. Mm. There is no heartbeat. I am sorry. Mm. And that mm. is when really um, this journey of loss, which I talk about, 
started. And mm. and since that loss of our daughter, we've also had I've also had multiple uh, recurring um, loss of pregnancies mm. as well. So I think that's the the, the really the hard the loss that I talk about um, is one of losing a baby, mm. having a baby being born still yeah. um, with shut eyes, with no noise, just beautiful, perfect, but not moving and not crying. Oh, nice. And as well, just subsequent challenges with fertility as well. Mm. So that's really what the loss that I talk about also in my book is. And how did how did that challenge you in your marriage? Because later on you talk about the challenges with fertility, you know, and the pain of loss, you know. How did it challenge your sense of worth in in you as an individual, as a woman, and you as a wife, in you as a as a daughter in law that were expecting uh, the in laws were expecting to see the family grow. How did that challenge you in your own personal life? Yeah, it was a big challenge. I think first of all, as a daughter of the most high God mm. <laughs> a dedicated Christian, you know, one of the things that happens when things like this happen to us is where is God in all of mm, this, you know, mm, that mm. sense of, you know, God, I'm serving you. I'm faithful. I'm living right. Where are you in this situation? So the really, the first thing that was challenged was my faith mm. um, to say, is God still who he says he is? Yeah. Is he still a good God? Even when you are going through this, is he still faithful? Um, that that was that's the that was the huge the biggest blow that was the biggest challenge mm. that I had to overcome, and then also as a personal level, as a woman that always wanted to have children. Mm. Now, so so now I've always had this inherent desire to have children, mm. and now it's been added by expectations from society mm. when you get married, um, expectations from your parents. We want great children, yeah. your in-laws as well, mm. as well as your husband, you know. So that really added much pressure onto me as an individual. And the next question was then, am I still a woman mm. when I am seemingly failing at what should come naturally or what comes naturally yeah. to so many mm. other women? Mm. And, and that's where... Uh, your your self worth, my self worth was really challenged. Um, mm. Do I do 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 I belong here? Am I supposed to be my husband's wife? Mm. Am I supposed to be my in-laws' um, daughter-in-law? Mm. Yeah, you start suffering from something that seems like an imposter mm. syndrome, mm. where you are in this situation, and instead of embracing where you are and celebrating where you are you feel like you do not belong. Like mm. there's a sense that you shouldn't be there because you do not deserve to be there. Mm. And then obviously that spills over to your marriage as well um, because you start saying hurtful things to your mm. partner. Like uh, mm. uh, maybe you should get yourself another wife who will yeah. be able to fulfill your dreams also of having a bigger family because that's something also my husband was very excited about the idea of having a bigger family mm -hmm. so it just it, it affects your being from from your faith 
to your marriage, like you're saying, and your relationship and just how you interact with the world in, in general. So the, the, those are really the biggest challenges that one faces when you're looking at a loss like this and a co- an ongoing challenge of fertility mm. like your mind. Oh, what a tragedy. I cannot imagine what you were going through um, when everything else happened. Um, in your own personal journey, uh, you have spoken about your... We thank God that this happened when you knew Christ. But between you and your husband, how did you communicate this um, this painful thing that happened to you, you know? Um, and how yeah. did he handle it, yeah, now as 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 as, as, a, as a partner and a best friend in your life? Yeah, you know, I think I was so blessed um, in that I have a very understanding and loving husband, mm. and I I think the the foundation of this is that we both love God. You know, mm. we we are both children of God, mm. so that already set us up to be able to overcome whatever challenges we were facing. So my husband was really supportive. I cannot fault him mm. in any way. Um, he was really understanding. He was really supportive. And um, if, if you get to read my book, there's even I dedicated a whole chapter to him. I actually not, I, I didn't dedicate the chapter to him. I wrote a whole chapter uh, from his perspective. Because what I realized um, when my husband and I were going through the, the grief and the healing process was that, you know what, actually, men also need as much support as women do. True. Because my husband was my number one supporter. Mm. And, and yet, if you look at it in proportion, from everyone else, I was the one that was also receiving the most support. Because people tend to think, oh no, you know, poor woman, she was pregnant for nine months and now this has happened. Mm. But what people do not realize is my child was as much mine as she was my husband. Yes. yes. Um, when, when we realized we were pregnant, he also started dreaming about having a child. Mm-hmm. When we found out she was a girl, he started dreaming about having a girl child and a daughter. He started dreaming about all the things that would do mm. with her mm. so the loss he suffered as much as I did mm. um, so that chapter is really highlighting saying that we should also support men as much as we do women and so what helped us in our process is that I was able to see that even in my my, mm. my moment of weakness I, I would just ask God sometimes to give me strength so that I can minister to my husband as well. Because, you know, when you are grieving, uh, everything tends to be just about you. Yeah. Yes. But through God's grace, I was also able to see, oh, you know what, my partner is also suffering here. So sometimes, Nami, I just have to put my grief aside and be there for him and ask him how he is doing and ask yes. him how he is feeling. Because through the process, I just, noticed and I realized that your shame man he, he was also having it having it hard so I think having Christ 
stay as the center of our marriage and in our home really helped us to get through this together. And if I can um, say something to couples is to say, you can get through it if you stay committed to one another. You can come out of it together. You know, we still, my husband and I still don't have children together, but mm-hmm. our marriage is stronger than what it has ever been. Through the tragedies that we, we, we shared, we realized that it helped us grow our bond even stronger. So we became closer to each other. Wow, beautiful. We've got Sister Kay in the studio uh, having a conversation about the death of her baby, the challenges with fertility and the loss, uh, the pain of loss that has challenged her sense of worth. Let's take music. We'll be right back. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the book that she wrote thereafter. I never saw her eyes. Stay tuned. And we'll be back. At Hygienit, we've been providing world-class hygiene services and products to our customers since 2016. Our products include commercial car wash services, residential and commercial cleaning services, sneaker wash services, and mobile VIP toilets for hire. 100% customer satisfaction guaranteed. We are located at Twin Palms Engine Filling Station, Corner Monument Road and Kempton Park Road in Kempton Park, CBD. Our contact number is 063-242-7997. Our email address is hygienit.za at gmail.com. Visit Hygienit social media pages to read more about us and our services. Hygienit, your preferred hygiene partner. You're listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station.
That is music by Kolim Gwango. Gwango. I'm now now struggling to, gonna to, to, to pronounce it. Hey. You're going to tell her later <laughs> on today. <laughs> what is this? this one? She <laughs> yes, and uh, we are still in... Uh, in conversation with Sister Kay, and uh, we are still continuing with our conversation. Uh, Sister Kay, in your book here uh, that is titled "I Never Saw Her Eyes," you you continue to go on by saying uh, this book is 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 for people. Um, who are faced with daily challenges and uh, you found strength and you used her pain to intensify her quest to fulfill her purpose. Are you, are you, are you saying now that through the death of Boo Boo, um, you found your purpose? Absolutely. Mm. Um, I mean, earlier on, we were talking about the challenges that the loss of my daughter and fertility Mm. presented. And one of them was that sense of self-worth. Am I still valuable as a woman Um, in in light of the fertility challenges I'm having? And the answer to that really came through a process of rediscovery of identity Mm. and people. When I started realizing that my purpose is derived from who I am in Christ and from the one who created me. That's when even my healing and my self of, um, of, of worth was restored. Mm. I realized that it's not one's achievements or failures that helps them to derive their value. No, your value is derived by the one that created you. Mm. So I realized that if my God and my father is the king of kings, if he bought me as such an invaluable prize that he gave up his son for him, Mm. surely nobody gives up their life for something that has no value. So I realized through that process of rediscovery of identity and purpose, that really only your creator has the right to put a value on you. And the only way to know your value is to understand who you are in him and why he created you. Find Mm -hmm. out and discover what your purpose is. Thank you so much. Um, Sister Kate, from my side... Having read just like the the profile about the book where you speak about the loss of your child and how the how your husband also has a whole chapter in it expressing the grief grief of the child, mm. is this book only for people who have gone through the similar situation that you have gone through, or this can relate to anyone that has lost a loved one or going through a process of loss of some sort? The book is absolutely for everyone. And I, I, let me tell you first what inspired me to write the book and you and, and you and the listeners will better understand why I say the book is for everyone. Firstly, I started writing the book um, during the hard lockdown last year mm. um, when the COVID pandemic um, was happening. Um, so I saw that a lot of people were going through loss 
you know, you would hear of people losing multiple family members within a space of weeks and months. Mm. So the country was really gripped with grief. And I, 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 I could identify because I, I know what grief is like. I know mm. what the pain of loss is. But I saw how I got healed. I, I really saw how, you know, Jehovah Rapha came through for me. And I wanted to let people know that there is hope. There is life beyond your pain. There is life beyond grief. And not just life. You can even gain from it. So that was my first motivation. Mm. The second was um, having had a miscarriage myself during the pandemic, I also realized, you know what, because of everyone's focus is on people losing their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Nobody is thinking about that woman or that couple that are going through a pregnancy during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Having had gone, going through the experience of going alone. I mean, this was the first time Mm -hmm. in all my pregnancies where I had to go alone to a doctor because visitors are not allowed. Having had that experience of me going to the hospital alone um, and leaving my husband in the parking lot Mm. and having to be the one that goes back to him in the parking lot to say, Barry, there's no heartbeat. Mm. I thought, yo, is somebody thinking, do mothers know Mm. that somebody is thinking about them, that somebody recognized their loss? That they shouldn't feel. I I felt like I couldn't share about my loss during the Mm, pandemic because, mm. wow, people are losing loved ones. Mm. But I also lost a loved one. So I also wanted to say to couples who are losing pregnancies to say, even your loss is still valid because we recognize that a loss of pregnancy is not just a loss of a membrane. It's a loss of a life. Because when you find out you are pregnant, you are already thinking about the personality of your child, yes. how you're going to relate with them. Mm. You are already imagining their first birthday, their first birthday, their 18th birthday. Mm. As a father, you are already imagining walking them down the aisle. You are already imagining um, their graduation from university. So it's really a loss of a life. So that's the other reason why I wrote the book. So I wanted to share with everyone to say, no matter what kind of loss you are going through, loss Mm. is loss and it's painful. And Mm. pain is pain and it's painful. We don't have to compare them. It's loss, it's pain, it's painful. It's just painful, that's it. So that's why I wrote the book. And then also I realized, you know what? I've never seen or heard a, a course or a seminar being advertised that's saying we are we are going to empower people to to be better positioned to support people who are going through loss. Mm. So through my experience as well, I I saw same people didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to support me, and God gave me that grace to realize that, and also to remember, Hori, even me before I went through that loss on such a personal level. I was not necessarily the best supporter either because I never knew also what to say or what to do. So part of writing the book also, and that's why I say the book is for everyone. I've got a chapter in the book that I dedicate to the supporters of the ones who are rallying behind the people who are going through loss. And I try to show both the supporter and the mourner 
their perspective. Like I say to the mourner, forgive the supporter when they say the wrong thing. Mm. Because you, you, you need to also realize that maybe your trauma is too much for them to handle. Because there's a price for supporting someone. And what happens sometimes is that your trauma triggers something that they also went through that they might not have necessarily dealt with in the best way in the past. So as a mourner, we need to extend grace to the supporter and realize there's, there, there is no university that teaches people how to support. And even if there was, mm. it would still not be very effective because mourners are different. Mourners are different. If they teach you that this is what you, you must say, it can work for Mona A, but not for Mona B. Mm. It was be, it can be effective for one Mona and not the other. So I, I just encourage the Monas also to say, hey, Mona, it's not easy what your supporters are also going through. And to the supporter also to say, what you say, this is how it's interpreted through the eyes of grief. If I'm grieving and you say ABC to me, this is what it means. So just to encourage the supporter as well to be a little bit more sensitive in how they try to encourage those who are mourning. So when I say the book is for everyone, it's for two reasons. The first reason is we will all, unfortunately, at some point of our lives, mm. suffer loss ourselves. Mm. And we will all, at some point in our lives, support people who are suffering due to loss. So whether or not you have experienced loss already, this book is for you because mm. there will be a day when you need to support someone and you will need to go um, and check what did Sister K advise mm. in, in, in that chapter of support in, in the book. And if you are going through loss yourself, it's also to encourage you to say, yes, someone who can relate to what I'm going through. Konja, mm. how did they say they overcame this? Mm. So that's why I'm saying, when I say the book is for everyone, I don't just mean, I don't just say it because I want people to buy the book. Mm. I really mean it because that is what inspired me to write the book, to equip us how to support each other. Mm. And even mourning and loss, during the pandemic, loss of work, it's a big loss to some people. You know, people slip into depression because they've lost their work. Mm -hmm. And it also talks mm -hmm. to identity and purpose and self-worth. Mm -hmm. Because some people, in the absence of their work, they suffer from those things. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying you could even e equate it to any other challenge in life that you see as a loss. For wow. you to hear my story and how I overcame. Because mm. those tools can work for you, whatever situation you are, you you find yourself in as well. Wow. Well, you had it for yourselves, listeners. Uh, the book is not only for people that have been in a situation as a Sister K. We all find ourselves having had lost something uh, in life. Uh, four minutes, Sister K. I want us to talk about the, the, the foundation that came thereafter. Obviously, it came because of the loss of uh, your baby. But what does the foundation uh, help? What does the foundation do in the community? And um, besides it being inspired by your loss, what does it give mm. to the community? 
Yeah. You know, I've always been passionate about um, the empowerment of women and women in quality. Growing up, you know, I've just always been that that girl who is aware, who remember, why are my brothers not washing the dishes as much as I am? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've just always been um, <laughs> wired like that. I was aware from from a very early age, Hore, in, in general, overall, women are treated differently than men in society, in the church, in the home, everywhere. Uh, but I never thought that this is related to my purpose mm-hmm. until, you know, like I'm saying, I went on this journey of rediscovery of identity and purpose. Mm-hmm. So through this process, which I outlined very nicely in my book. So if someone needs a practical, if somebody is saying, but I don't know what my purpose is, what can I do? Mm. You will find the practical tools in the book. So after I went through that process, which I share in my book, I became, I, I became more disciplined by people to say, and the fragility of their faces, you and you think, well, if I die, would I get a weapon? So, as a result, I I was already doing some work, but on a on smaller scale. But in an annual basis, hearing the girls in the family microscope upwards, and we would get together talk about what I can How can we support you as a family, as a community? We have a lot of engaged through the year as well, where I hold them accountable. And I would even just talk that in the end would be discussed one to drop out of application graduating uh, from university at dawn. So I thought, if this thing is not just for my family, I need to do it on a bigger scale. So when I went to the foundation, I then advocated for women like myself to say we need to look as we write. A better place to start than with your own family at the end. That's where the book started where I met. I went to young girls themselves, but I realized it's very limited because how many young girls are in the country? But we have many women like us who were mentoring groups of young women in various families, various communities, to have a better chance of reaching more girls. So that's one of the flag programs. The group ladies we call ourselves Femtone, and that's just the idea of a mentor. You know, Femto, Mentor. <laughs> And then we've also partnered um, with an organization called I Am Woman Too in Botswana, a, a, a wellness, mental health organization, and helping them there in terms of getting information into like what options are available to come who are struggling. We also work in partnership with an organization. Um, and they are so purely focused on whether it's lost, whether there's still hope, whether you pay the other side of trying. They, they just support that are relevant to them. So that, that's just something as the Sister K Foundation also just spreading as you write. And if you are going to college, you can be able to go through. And there is help that is available to you. It's been wonderful. It's very.